0: This is a fourth hand production.
1: Story in the news today. You believe
0: in ghosts and the paranormal? Now are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental I don't uh, know, planes man. that they're building?
2: police in espanola are catching more than just criminals they're catching images of what they believe are ghosts
3: this weird animal-like creature that was shot
4: wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways
3: and welcome to strange uncles i am shane
0: Shit, I'm on mute. I'm oh, done.
1: fuck. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm not on mute. What's up? It's your boy, Josh. <laughs> wink, I'm wink, bloom, bloom. Be super loud.
3: Awkward silence. the microphone. No, it could be worse. It totally could be worse. I think that's, yeah, fine. Anyway, welcome, everybody, to another Strange Uncle, uh, Uncles episode um, on our side. I want to start in. out to say it has been great to see you guys last week. Made it to Salt yes. Lake. We hung. We had some beers at Poplar. Fucking fantastic.
1: I partied mm-hmm. way too goddamn hard.
0: Yeah, uh, I didn't realize how drunk I was until I woke up in the morning.
3: <laughs> did you it know, sneak it's
0: up one up of those drunks is like, yeah, I'm not drunk at all. Like, whatever, I'm good. And you wake up in the morning, you're like, holy shit.
1: <laughs> I wish that I uh, that that it had taken that long for me to realize I had made mistakes instead of walking home and shouting at my shoes. That's <laughs> you know what's funny. Not- First, sitting a poplar, and Tori sitting
3: next at. to me. And John, you said something about driving, and Tori's like, "Oh no, you're slurring your asses." And John's like, "Am I? I don't think I'm slurring my slits. What? I think I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay." No, which is weird because no. I never drive
0: drunk anyway, so I don't <laughs> yeah, know exactly. Even talking about was I was even talking about. <laughs> exactly. uh, even talking about
3: so. Oh, it was cool. That was good seeing you guys. Great seeing Tori. Um, great see. Actually, I talked to Drew on the way out the door. So Drew, sorry I wasn't uh, wasn't hanging, but you know, great to see you. But um, I don't know how too late you guys were there past. Uh, I had to go home. I had, I've had got yeah, we weren't, problems. We weren't it, there
1: too late after you left. Could have been 10 minutes, could have been three hours. I have no fucking idea. That's it, also true. I,
0: was, <laughs> <laughs> I had no time travel. time by the
1: time you left. <laughs> I walked home, um, and I'm pretty sure at least one person tried to get me to leave, probably for my own good. Yeah, well, and I didn't. You know, yeah. <laughs> happens. That's, and, why, yeah. that's why I have a Tory. Yeah, that's how uh, barfing at the train stop by the arena happens.
3: Oh, lovely, John. How do we get one of these said Tories? Can you order one, or
0: it's, uh, it takes a lot of lot of finesse?
3: It takes a lot of finesse. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I and have a Josephine and an so.
0: award-winning and an award-winning personality. If I do say so myself. <laughs> Calm down, King. Jury's still uh, on that one.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but speaking of King, by the way, uh, one of our guests that we're going to have on in the future is uh, Kimberly McGeorge, which I believe um, called you the king. So yes, she's I my think, favorite. Yeah, of course. I well, would, of course would be my is. favorite, too. Why, why you
0: would can fla- flatter me with those compliments and- any right?
3: time. Right, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll do anything. So, Hey, before
1: anyway. we get into serious stuff, can we talk about your guys' new puppies? Just because yes. I think the world needs uh, a, little, a little bit of joy. Yeah, so, well, I'm going to
0: start with a bummer. My dog of 10 years, had her since she was a puppy, uh, passed away with IMHA disease. Like, immediately, it was so stupid. So, that was like a month ago, and we just got a new addition to the family. His name's Melvin. He's a shepherd terrier. He was found on the side of the freeway in a box with his brother. Oh, which boy. Is just oh, people are so I terrible. I don't get it. But I don't get it. Somebody j- drove by, found him, sent him to an adoption agency, and we adopted him on uh, Saturday, this past Saturday. So awesome. and he's been, he's just been so great. He's mellow, so much more mellow than I was anticipating. And he's a love bug. And, He's just what Tori and I needed to kind of get us out of our funk.
3: That's cool. Dude,
0: he's the That's cutest cool.
1: puppy I've seen in my entire life, I think. And <laughs> I spend too. a lot of time on the internet. So, <laughs>
3: <laughs> Well, yeah. it's funny because mine's a similar story. One of those things where uh, – so there's a place about, I want to say, three hours roughly, eastern Washington, rural city. Some family just abandoned the house because they just left everything, the dogs, the chickens, and everything, and they had two pups. And so this gal gathered them up, and here in Spokane, this one um, gal has been running a, it's a Dachshund slash horse, 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 horse rescue place. She's been doing it for like thirty years. Like she's got a heart of gold, um, and so she took them in, and it was a, a, a sister and a brother type thing, and she started advertising. And I'll tell you what, honestly, good on her because like Josephina, my wife caught her or caught the ad. And it is a vetted process like it is. Tell me what's going on. Where do you live? How do you have kids? Do you have this? And then you go back and forth. And it took a week, which is really cool because the scout does her due diligence on making sure that when she places dogs in a home, they're there to stay. And so we went over there Saturday. Same thing. She set up lawn chairs, you know, came out. And um, he's just a scruffy. He's half dodging, half fluffy. We don't know what his mom is. So he's got this long hair, and he is full of piss and vinegar. So
1: how tall is he?
3: Right now he's only like literally as tall as a beer bottle at the most. But I he has got big kinda paws, cute. so I'm kind of like hmm, I don't know. Yeah, though. when
0: you showed me the picture, it kind of looked like he was probably going to be bigger than the I other
3: think. Two. I think yeah, I think he might be a little bit bigger than Tony. I think at the end of the day. Yeah, but I was
1: actually I, worried something happened to Tony when you sent that picture. I was like, wait, you got a puppy? Why? What happened? <laughs>
3: you know, it's funny. The wife was like, Tony, you're going to be locked in the basement now. Nobody's going to know you exist. And you're just <laughs> going to stay here. We're going to have you two dogs. And but t- because Tony's such a douche anyway.
4: But I didn't. <laughs> I, I love I, Tony. Tony rules. <laughs> Tony yeah, is yeah. cool. He
3: but is I did so name cool. him Spock. And I told you guys on the text. I was like, I'm going to teach him how to lay down by just doing the Spock hand signal. That, that's all. If I master that, that's my goal in life. So. That's easy.
0: Instead of doing the fist, you just do the Spock every time you yeah, have him so. Yeah,
3: that's all you want to do. Yeah, and so. the
0: other two dogs will be
1: like, what the fuck are we supposed to do?
3: Yeah, they're not trained anyway, so they don't care. What the
1: fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're exactly. just going to be like, treats? Treats? Uh-huh. <laughs> Where are the biscuits, so. old man? Yeah, Where but, are they?
3: Yeah, but John, good on you, man. Um, and, you know, I kind of play with the wife by going back. Do we need another dog? I mean, it's kind of perfect now. We got two of us and two of them. and
1: eh, But, you know,
3: he's cute. He's cute, so nah, we'll make him. Yeah, you got to have
1: another one to like play everybody off of each other, you know.
3: I think so, and they're getting old. Like Tony's eight and Ellie seven, so you know, you know, they're not old, old, but uh, yeah, they, not, young. A they have plenty.
1: Pup.
0: Yeah, they have plenty of time.
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So anyway, that's the Mills household and the Finnegan household. It sounds like, and yeah, kind of cool, kind of mm-hmm. cool.
0: Things are looking up.
3: Yeah. So, but uh, yeah. Again, great seeing you guys. Fantastic. Um, unfor- we had things lined up last week for uh, the podcast. Didn't really pan out. Yeah. No worries. You guys yeah. had a had a bonus Patreon episode throw out there. But this one here actually is. I love it. So every now and again we get a return guest. And it's funny, my dog's looking at me right now from the basement window. So every now and again, we get a return guest. And a lot of the guests we have on are fantastic. You know, I'd say probably what, boys?
1: 98? i 99% of them are yeah. Yeah. worth, worth yeah. talking to. We've yeah. been doing this for how long? And we've had maybe like, I think we have
0: two. two, and then a third that was like, Whatever, but, so I'd so say three out a of how many pe- yeah. two and a half out yeah. of how many people, you know, we've interviewed.
3: Good, good track record. I feel a little
1: Pretty inside baseball for you, listeners.
3: Yeah, <laughs> there you go for sure. Um, but this one coming back, it was a joy to talk to the first time. It's a joy to talk to this time. Um, that is the one, John Russell. So if you guys remember, if you want to listen to the episode we had him on the first time before you listen to this one, um, it was episode twenty-one back in season four. Uh, last March, I think I looked it up, uh, is when we had him on and he's got a couple books. He just wrote a new one and it was really cool because, you know, we, we always kind of email beforehand and say, Hey, what do you want to talk about? And the topics he threw out that what he wants to talk about are like, just my eyes lit up. We're like, Oh my God, that's exactly what we want to talk about. So mm-hmm. it worked out. It worked out perfect. Yeah. I
0: think he's such a cool dude. And, uh, it was great talking
3: to him again. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, do you guys have anything else to follow up or follow through, or do you just want to kind of jump into it? Uh, Let's fucking go. All right. Here it is, everybody. John Russell. Open the gates. So John Russell has been an internationally known professional psychic for almost half a century working with clients around the world. He also has been a featured guest on many popular radio shows and recently filmed a TV pilot for the History Channel in which he physically explored... The assassination of President Abraham Lincoln. He's also been an avid motorcyclist for over 50 years. When he's not chasing ghosts around on the country on his motorcycle, John enjoys reading, painting, and making photographs, gardening, target shooting, and fancies himself a pretty fair chess player, which I find funny to have in a bio, but it's awesome. And John has actually been on our show before. It was great having him the first time. Fantastic having him the second time over. Mr. John Russell, welcome to Strange Uncles.
4: Uh, guys, I appreciate so much the return visit. We had a blast last time. We're gonna have a good time this time and I really appreciate you guys having me back. We got a lot a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
3: Excited. Absolutely. And so, you know, we're not going to go back, you know, dancing down the memory banks of, of what we talked before. Let's just say, you know, we covered your book. We covered some of your experiences and some of the basics. Um, but we always ask our, our guests, Hey, you know, what do you, what's, what's in your wheelhouse? What do you want to talk about this time? And as luck may have it, you hit on a couple things that, that we have discussed that now having another person in the roundhouse is just talk about it, to see thoughts and and where we we land with it is fantastic. So if you want to, um, I think we want to start uh, talking about the disclosure and start from there.
4: Let's do that. Let's do that. I'll bring up some points here that I, uh, uh, when I went through the uh, disclosure, I looked at it and I'll bring up some things that I think are, you know, for one thing, excuse me, people were kind of disappointed when it came out and I wasn't. And the reason why is we knew it was going to be non-classified material. We knew we weren't going to get the juicy stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, we knew that they weren't going to give us a 50-page report. (laughs) So uh, what we had to do is go through this with a fine-tooth comb. And when you do, there are some boom-go-the-dynamite moments in this report.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um,
4: Mm -hmm. Yes. And for me, the thing that really, really, really stands out is that they acknowledge that the UFOs are physical objects if we look at page 3 of the report and then we go to quote unquote it says most of the UAP reported most of the UAP reported probably do represent physical objects given that a majority of UAP were registered across multiple sensors to include radar infrared electro-optical weapon seekers and visual observation Mm -hmm. okay so that's a that's one of the boom goes the dynamite moments Mm -hmm. there the government is acknowledging hey these things are real they are physical objects we're picking them up on multiple sensors and then the report goes on to say that given uh the uh, uh allowance for occasional malfunctions that most of the time all of these sensors are functioning correctly, so um, so they've said that we've established their physical objects. Now, for me, that takes everything out of the realm of UFOs only exist because we think them into existence. BS. I've never I've never yep. believed that. No. Nope. Uh, I I kind of want to take it out of the realm of interdimensional objects simply because that gets into the um, too far of the woo-woo theory even for me as a psychic and paranormal (laughs) investigator that's experienced all these things uh let's just leave them as physical objects because that's what the government is saying they are that's what we've experienced them as i've had ufo experiences and we can recap that um so they've acknowledged they are physical objects uh i also believe that they are extraterrestrial objects They may have a presence here on earth, but I believe they are extraterrestrial. And if you will listen very, very closely to like Lou Elizondo, for example, and if you'll listen very closely to people in Congress, and if you listen very closely to people in the military that are coming out and talking about this now, they will say without saying that they believe that they're extraterrestrial. And that they're piloted by an intelligence other than human intelligence.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And they will do it in such a way that it's like, hey, wink wink, nod nod. Listen, guys, we're telling you it's yeah. not of this earth. We're telling you and Lou Elizondo's come right out and said it's not human technology. Mm-hmm. He's he's come right out and yeah, made Absolutely that statement. he has. Yeah. So it seems like we they're really, that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It seems like they're really driving home the point, like it's not Russia, it's not China. Exactly. Like and and if it's not those two countries, like
4: yeah. You know, well, it's not Norway it, or
0: you know, exactly. Like, definitely not exactly.
4: them. Well, look at it this way too. And as as everyone has admitted, if it were foreign technology, our spies have fallen off the wagon. They are not doing their jobs because we would know about it number one. Number two, despite everybody's advancements, typically everybody in the world is playing catch up with the US, okay? The third thing is If this were Russian technology, for example, we would all be making an annual pilgrimage to Moscow to hail Putin. Okay? I mean, it's as simple as that because Putin would be controlling the world if this were his technology. Does Putin want to control the world? Yeah. Because I have a friend that's Ukrainian national, and uh, a buddy of mine I grew up with in Texas made the statement that if Putin were starving to death, and he had $5 left to his name, and that's all he had in the entire world, and he was starving, that rather than eat, buy something to eat, he would give that $5 towards the destruction of the United States. (laughs) And so I I told that to my Ukrainian buddy, you know, and Ukraine always has these conflicts with Russia. Russia's abusing Ukraine and all these things. So I I, uh, made that statement to my Ukrainian buddy, and I said, what do you think about that? And he said, I think your friend is absolutely correct. So you know, if if the Chinese had this, if Russia had this, I think we would already have seen the uh, the ramifications of that. So uh, that's that's one thing that we have to consider. Another thing we have to look at with this thing is it's a preliminary assessment. Mm-hmm. So in other words, mm-hmm. introductory or preparatory, it's a prelude to something else. So in other words, there's going to be much more to come. Yep. Yeah. Um, the, um, one of the things that I found interesting on page two in the purpose and scope of the report, quote unquote, is to submit an intelligence assessment of the threat posed by un- Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, UAP, and the progress the Department of Defense Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force, UAPTF, has made in understanding this threat. So now the government is saying, hey, this thing is a threat. These things are threats. And further on in the report, you see that uh, on page six, the UAPTF has 11 reports of documented instances in which pilots reported near misses with the UAP. Okay.
2: Yeah. So we have
4: I, some really interesting things there and that the government is saying that, Hey, we believe these things are a threat. Uh, they've said in, in the report and in other things that uh, they're a threat to our, to our airspace, to, our planes that are up there to our pilots that are up there. And of course we have the numerous reports of the UFOs coming over and shutting down our nuclear missile bases. And uh, people say, Oh, well, that's to show that, um, it's a lesson to us to say that we should be seeking peace and not war. And we should be getting rid of our nuclear weapons and all this and all that, that doesn't jive. If you think about it, because, uh, to me, that's a demonstration of power, rather than something that encourages to seek peace. In other words, they're coming over and saying, hey, this is the biggest and the best you got. Watch this. Yeah. Blink, yeah, It's okay. gone. It's offline. Look,
3: look what we can do.
4: Yeah. Look and what we can do.
0: there are reports of them actually activating. Like, yeah. Yes. The there are
4: two too. instances, one in the Ukraine, one here in the U.S. that I'm aware of, and there may be more, where the soldiers in the launch commands, in the in the silos, in the missile bases, mm-hmm. Um, said that when the UFOs came over and every, all the missiles went offline, that when the UFOs left, the missiles started coming back online one by one, and two of them were in full launch mode when, when they regained power. Yeah. And they had to manually go in and take them out of launch mode to keep them from launching. Now, that doesn't sound like a, a communication to me that's, hey, guys, get rid of your nuclear weapons. It sounds to me like, look what we can do. And, oh, yeah. whoops, we left two in launch mode. or well, you deal with it. So um It kind of yeah. reminds
0: and, me of uh the monsters on Mer- M- Mel- Mayberry Street, that old Twilight Zone where the aliens yeah. are just up there. And it's like, look, we just mess with a couple of their electronics and they just all lose their minds. Like, right, with right. lawnmower. And,
4: and then reminds you look me of at like, – um, you look at the uh, fighter pilots saying that they're going towards these UFOs and all of a sudden their weapons uh, systems and the fighters are, are disarmed or uh-huh. rendered useless. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they're calling that now an act of war. Our government's saying, hey, that's an act of war. The pilots are saying that's an act of war. You've taken away my ability to defend myself.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of things there to look at. There's a few other good points I think that, that um, are worth addressing as well. Um, let me find these here. One of the things I thought that was interesting is uh, on page two, we note that all of the alphabet agencies were involved in providing input for the report, all the alphabet agencies, FBI, CIA, NSA, including a bunch I've never heard of, um, which brings me to a point. The government tells us that they don't have the cameras or the ability or the technology to get us clear images of these things. Now that I do not believe for the simple reason that many years ago I saw a documentary on TV and one of our former heads of the CIA said that during the SR-71 Blackbird era, and for people that may not know what that is, younger listeners or whatever, that was our ultimate top secret spy plane the SR-71 Blackbird, flew in subspace. That's how high it flew. And it flew so fast that there were no missiles, no rockets, no planes, nothing that could catch it, that could bring it down, that could shoot it down. So that was our SR-71 Blackbird. And the former head of the CIA said that flying in subspace at speed if you put two golf balls down on a putting green a foot apart that as a blackbird flew over and took a photograph when you developed that photograph later you could read clearly which one was a mcgregor and which one was a titleist and he said that's decades old technology imagine what we can do now so yeah. extrapolating that don't tell me that you can't take pictures of these things. (laughs) You know, we have to have the the technology, the ability to take pictures of these things. So I don't buy that, you know, especially the the
1: ones that they're seeing with their own eyeballs. You know what I mean? Like I get it. If it's just showing up on radar and then they scramble the F 18s and they, fly up there and the pilots are like I can't see anything are you sure but if they're like physically seeing it I don't know how they could not get a picture of it unless that's like some crazy like weird technology like from the men in black movies where it just doesn't show up maybe they're vampires I don't know (laughs) maybe they (laughs) just don't show up on film well maybe maybe they do have 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 some type
4: of jamming technology or whatever but um, I don't know we're so far advanced with so many things that it looks like we could find a way around that and there are
1: well, and you can't, pictures you can't that, jam light sensitive paper capturing an image, right? Like right, there's no electronics right, right. in that at all. Yeah, if it's just yeah, like a as standard far as actual know, yeah. film camera.
4: And there are so many people that. that have made credible photographs, uh, you know, over the years of, mm-hmm. of UFOs. So uh, I, I thought that was really interesting. Um, let me find a, a few more things here that I wanted to discuss with you that I thought were very, very interesting. On page three again, UAP clearly pose a safety of flight issue and may pose a challenge to U.S. national security. thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, page four, the UAPTF focused on reports that involved UAP largely witnessed firsthand by military aviators mm-hmm. and that were collected from systems we considered to be reliable. Okay. Uh, one interesting thing in the report is that uh, also on page four, they finally acknowledge the sociocultural stigmas attached to the reportings of UAPs. In other words, you, you know, mean the ones they helped create? The yeah, the ones they helped create. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, you didn't see this. You're going to lose your career. You're going <laughs> to. Yeah, yeah. You can't be a pilot anymore. You're going to the funny farm or whatever. Swamp so, gas. Um, yeah, swamp gas. And then on page five comes something that uh, really kind of boggles my mind because I had to look up uh, RF energy and RF energy comes from a lot of different sources, uh, microwaves and, and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. But mm-hmm. in page five, uh, quote unquote, in a small number of cases, military aircraft systems processed radio frequency energy mm-hmm. associated with UAP sightings. And a lot of times radio frequency energy is used in communication. So what the hell does that mean? Were UAPs communicating with pilots? Attempting to communicate with our pilots? Were they communicating with each other? What other type of RF energy might it have been? And they just dangle that little gem out there and then leave it. Yep. So, um, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. basically like, we don't, we don't want to say anything. We're going to try real hard not to <laughs> say anything, <laughs> right. but we yeah, can't yeah. get away with. Just not,
4: just totally leaving anything. it yeah. out, right? Yeah, we, right. we have
1: to give you a little bit. Yeah, but You're I think right. I think exactly. at
3: the same time they have and a then, good, uh, they've done a good job on the CYA game too. You know, I mean, kind oh, yeah, kinda like, oh you know,
4: absolutely they have. Absolutely, I mean, they, they have
3: this one here. You know, the sensors mounted on U.S. military platforms are typically designed to fulfill specific missions. As a result, right. those sensors are not generally suited for identifying UAP.
4: Right. Okay,
3: right. you know, nice nice job there, just covering yeah. your ass
4: a bit. So right. And then uh, I think the boom, the big boom goes the dynamite uh, from uh, page five is some UAP observations could be attributable to developments and classified programs by US entities. But, and emphasize this, we were unable to confirm, however, that these systems accounted for any of the UAP reports we collected. So they're saying right there to everyone that. Well, yeah, we've got great technology. It could be ours, but guess what? We haven't been able to to put them inside that box. Yeah, could be ours, but as far as we know, it's not. Yeah, so there's some real gems in that report, and then uh, following the news and following the people in the UFO community that are, are really got some connections and this, that, and the other, uh, they said that there were really some juicy things in the classified reports that the White House and Congress and the military got. They said there were some really, really good things in there. Wow! And uh, my uh, contention all the way through this thing has been that tell us, you know, we can we can handle it. People say, oh, they're go- it's going to cause a national panic. No, it won't. People Not are going to lose their point. religion. No, they won't. Yep. If they land on the yep. White House lawn tomorrow, there's going to be a group of Christians there the next day, circling the craft, holding hands and asking Jesus to save them, you know? yeah. Yep. Uh, it's, and then there's going to be some good old boys from West Texas, where I come from, loading up the guns, going, yep. yeehaw, let's go yep. get us some aliens. Yep. So, you know, there'll be a wide variety of, of um, responses, but I don't think there will be a worldwide panic. I don't think there'll be a you know, a big change in things, it'll be like, well, son of a gun, most of us suspected it. A lot of us have seen them. They're finally here. They're finally out in the open. Now, let's figure out who they are and what they want and what their intentions are.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah what I think that's I, I, what the important part is now. Like, I think the general public and humanity has come to terms that, you know, it's very probable that we're not the only people in this universe and we have been visited. So now it's time to, yeah. What, what yeah, do they yeah. want? Why are they here? Exactly.
1: Uh, I think if you assume that we're the only intelligent life in the universe at this point, that's just plain arrogance. Like, yeah, it you're, it was, you're
3: pretty it's self-centered. It's centered anyway. mathematically it's born out. That. That that's yeah.
4: pretty it's much impossible. Yeah. You know, yeah. But and, going back to the, um, When we have that face-to-face confrontation with an alien species, and I believe there are several alien species, but whichever one chooses to reveal itself to us first in a public face-to-face confrontation, we're not going to be able to believe initially what they tell us. They may say, we know who God is or what God is, or here's Mm -hmm. the right religion to follow to get what you want, or here's what we do, or here's where we... We're not going to know if they're telling us the truth. Just like if if you meet someone in the flesh, you're not going to automatically assume that everything that they're telling you is correct. You're going to make them prove themselves if they have claims about, like, uh, I can't tell you the number of people I ran into that had top secret clearances and a big history in the military, and they never even served. And Mm -hmm. they spout these things and lie and carry on. And um, so you have to assume that In any new situation where you meet any new intelligence, uh, you have to say, okay, let's figure out what their motivation is, what's true and what's not, and that's going to take a period of time. That's not going to come overnight. That's going to take months, maybe even years.
1: Yeah, because we we know nothing about them culturally right so like exactly who knows maybe their like cultural norm is like yeah you just tell people whatever fuck you want to tell them who cares exactly you know what i mean um
4: and we also have to understand from um from extrapolation here and from observation i was watching a um a podcast the other day that rob shelsky was on he's a mufon field investigator and Rob was saying in this podcast, he said, Where is the story where I'm lost in the woods at night and a UFO comes over, shines a beam of light down, leads me safely out of the woods to safety? Where's that story? We don't have that. We have UFOs tied to forced abductions, to torture, to medical experiments, to cattle mutilations, uh, but we, and now harassing our military, turning our weapon systems on and off. So at the very least, there seems to be a huge indifference from whatever species these are at the very, very least. And at the worst, this could be an open, like yeah, in your face kind of thing. And it may be getting to the point that when disclosure actually has to occur because our government can't hide it any longer. And and maybe the aliens are like, yeah, we, we've been flaunting this stuff uh, without repercussions. So let us just go ahead and do what we want to do here. You know that could be some interesting times, and we don't know which way that's going to come down. But from the vast experiences of people, the physical experiences that people have had, um, it, it shows a vast indifference from the aliens or hostility from the aliens, because abduction against your will is a forced act that has no moral considerations, no ethical considerations, and uh, you know that's that's something that we have to look at on the physical plane. Those are things that are physically occurring. Um, The people that love the space brothers and know the space brothers and are visited by the aliens. I haven't found anybody reliable that I can hang my hat on that that's occurring in the physical realm. All of these people are like, well, I got in deep meditation and Zobar from the planet Sirius came to me and told me blah, blah, blah. And it's like, please, you know, I can't hang my hat on that as an author I can sit down and come up with an incredible world in 15 minutes time. And that's completely out of my imagination, has no basis in reality. There's nothing there that does us any good. So, uh, you know, we have to look at, and especially these claims from people, these metaphysical claims of these, I meditated and met these aliens and they revealed to me the secrets of the universe. Well, they either did a poor job of it, or you're doing a poor job of conveying it because We're still suffering on this planet. We've got the little kids in St. Jude dying of cancer. We've got worldwide poverty. We've got worldwide health issues, all this. If there's all this great, wonderful knowledge, where is it? Where's the application of it? So I get really put out with that because there's so many physical things uh, that we can evidence as far as uh, ETs, UFOs, and everything go, that it muddies the water when you get way out there in left field with all this crazy stuff and I saw something today. Uh, there was a post on social media that I follow. And this person said, and they drew these these pictures of uh, aliens as kind of looking like uh, pastel-dressed Indian gods and goddesses. And they had the male and the female alien, and they had all these auras around them. And they said, this is what they look like, and this is where they come from, and this is who they are. And, of course, the problem with all of these uh, assumptions of alien life is that there's an identifiable male and a female based on our body forms and shapes and types. Yep. And the female aliens always look pretty hot and they always have breasts, you know? Of course. Uh, we look at everything through the, the human eye and we're so hidebound that we can't understand and can't accept that if there are alien life forms, they may not look anything like us even Most if they possess wouldn't. tremendous intelligence, you know?
2: Yeah.
4: yeah. And we always make the stupid assumption that, well, this planet can't hold life, that planet can't hold life, this planet can't hold life. It can't hold our life, but maybe it holds life of an alien species that thrives in five hundred degree mm-hmm. Fahrenheit temperature and breathes nitrogen. You know? Yeah. We look at everything through the assumption that us, 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 us. And obviously what out there, what's out there is not gonna be us. You know, yeah,
1: like when I was a kid, I had a bunch of science books that I think were from like National Geographic or something. But one of them was about what uh, life on other planets just in the solar system would look like based on what we knew about like Earth biology and astrobiology at the time. Right. And C- carbon not, life forms, yeah, yeah, not a single thing looked like anything. Like when they looked at the planetary conditions and how evolution would work in that situation not a single thing they came up with looked anything close to human let alone anything that would be
4: on earth you know and and we also have to understand with that josh which is a great point what we have to understand with that is intelligence doesn't have to reside in an earthly human physical body Nope. This this little Absolutely. dog of mine you hear yapping in the background, which I'm sorry for, but this little dog of mine is not a human species, runs around on four legs, likes likes to sniff other dogs' butts. But if I tell him, he came in the other day, he likes ice, so I was getting an ice for my drink, and uh, I, he likes for me to slide the ice across the floor, and he chases it, and then he grabs it, and then he eats it. So I was sliding the ice for him, and he missed it. He didn't know where it went, and I was in the kitchen. and went into the hallway, and one of his tennis balls was in the hallway, and I didn't point. I didn't gesture. I didn't do anything. He came in the kitchen looking for it, and I said, Bugsy, your ice is over there in the hallway by your tennis ball, and he snapped his head around, turned around, saw the tennis ball, went over there, found the ice, went off, and ate it. Now, yeah. that's intelligence. That's understanding. Yeah. I can't yeah. understand his barks most of the time, but he understands my English. And he knew enough to get over there and get his eyes. He understood enough of that for me. So that's intelligence. But it doesn't look right. anything like me. And we have to get that understanding. Mm-hmm.
3: And well, and, the, and I think it really, again, it goes back, when we talk about it, it goes back to us just being self-centered and egotistical. You know, we're the, yeah. the king of the pile. You know, so why right. wouldn't it be the same thing? You know, and we really need to erase that and pay attention. We do. I, I don't think a, that's Another the case. funny
4: thing that I have to tell you then is an aside to all this, but it's, it's really hilarious. Uh, think about something. When you see the, uh, and this relates to the, the alien picture drawing too, when you uh, see paintings, religious paintings of Adam and Eve, what are wrong with those paintings? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have belly buttons. Ah. They weren't born, they were created. Adam was not born. Adam point. was created, so Adam wouldn't have a belly button. Eve was not born. She was created from the rib of Adam, so she wouldn't have a belly button. And then somebody was looking at these posts on social media with the uh, with the aliens, and the aliens had belly buttons. And he was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, this is wrong. The aliens wouldn't have <laughs> you guys have got belly way buttons. too many belly buttons on." You're assuming the birth process is the same as ours, you know? Maybe Mm -hmm. they're created in a test tube or something. It's like, we don't know, but we assign all that to those. But so we have so many uh, misconceptions and we have so many assumptions about what's out there Mm -hmm. and we don't know, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And when we are introduced to it, then we can start making some yeah. some extrapolations,
3: and you know, and I, I think too at the, at the at the least, honestly, you know, we talk about you know. It- we're prepared for it. We, we, it's not going to be this mass thing that right. people, you know. We we get it. I mean, there's going to be different factions of us that are going to react different ways. You know, obviously, I think when we talk about religion, you are going to have religious faction. It it's going to kind of shake their foundations a bit because sure. that's not what they believe in. So how do they? But those are small ramifications compared to very small what else and what it looks yeah. like
4: you, you know very small.
0: and i honestly think if you are religious you are a religious person i feel like that would just if like if i was religious i'm not but if i was and all of a sudden it came out there was a capital d disclosure aliens exist they've been visiting us blah 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 right. that would to me i would just be like well i guess god invented them too there you know you like go. that would just that go. would just solidify yeah. my you would hope believe you, you, mm-hmm. like i would just be like well god made us god made them he's there all powerful go. All there you go. you know whatever yeah. so yeah i honestly Absolutely. don't see admit like you know aliens come out disclosure i don't see that really shocking anybody that has a really strong basis in their religion yeah, yeah.
1: like maybe maybe in the 40s 50s and 60s you know when that rand corporation um uh, mm-hmm report came out right before the moon landing where they were like oh yeah if you guys see aliens up there don't tell anybody because it'll freak everyone out right. I, I think things have changed quite a bit <laughs> since then you know i think like now it is like i think what is it like 70 percent of the u.s population believes in ufos and extraterrestrial life mm-hmm. i think probably 95 percent of the 30 percent that says they don't are
2: lying thinking thinking they about it think
1: yeah, that yeah. It, yeah makes them look wild and crazy and stupid I agree. you know like i mean it's kind of i think it's more like uh the people that claim they don't uh fucking masturbate you know what i mean
3: oh i (laughs) don't masturbate i I don't know what you're talking about i've never masturbated in my life
1: you know like you know i don't believe that there are other (laughs) aliens like everyone everyone that i know in my personal life and i'm i feel bad because i'm Kind of calling out some friends I've had like actual conversations with right now, but like, <laughs> uh, I, I everyone that I've met that that is definitely like, oh, I don't believe in any of that. It's none of it could even be possible. Are people right. who like want everything to be just super serious? You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And like, tend to not want there to be any elements of like uh, mysticism is the wrong word, but like uh, any any like. Any kind of magic to reality. You know, yeah. it's all like exact yeah. only things I can see right in front of my yeah. face. Everything right has to have a lane. We know our, what they are, and that's yeah. it. Yep. Nothing else yeah. exists. Everything has to exactly. have a lane
3: for most people, you know, and and that's the yeah. thing, you know, because it, it, if you do this, it's kind of rocks my foundations a bit. So I'm just going to pretend like this isn't this over here, you know, and exactly. that's just what it is. Yep. So, but anyway, we're going to take a quick break, John, if you don't mind. Um, and then sure. we can continue talking to UAP a bit or we can get on to other fascinating stuff. Either way, Great conversation. Great to have you on. Um, Stand by. All right.
0: Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality? Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality. At 801 252
3: 6945. Open the gates. All right, and we're back again with John Russell. Um, Talking about UAPs, I didn't know if we had any wrap ups on that. Or again, we, and I don't know if you know, we actually did a, a news episode where we focused just mainly on this disclosure. And we went through some of these same points that you're you're going through. And, and I think it's amazing because, you know, us three can batter back and forth about what we think because, you know, we're friends. We know each other. We, we're we right. all into this weird shit together. But hearing it from the outside stance and hearing the same thing is it, – it's nice. Kind of validates it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I really share your same sentiments. Um, I thought the report was a huge stepping stone – uh, yeah. you know like especially like you got to kind of read between the lines and sometimes you don't need to read between the lines you just got to kind of look at ex- what you yeah. know what they're yeah. saying you know there there are some of those big like holy shit like yeah these yeah. are physical objects and they're here yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> but like, well okay. and you know and also let, let's just be honest with you with media and and so saturated everything is Everybody feels they have an opinion anyway, so I knew that was going to happen. I knew this sure. thing was going to be dropped, and I knew that everybody was going to poo poo it and try to tear it apart because right. you know, well, shit, it doesn't say like you said it's supposed to be. You know, as far as I, it was written by an alien that had eighteen hands and da da da, you know, no, <laughs> shut up, guys. You know, well, honestly, it was case. more.
1: It
0: was more than I thought it was going to be. I didn't have any I hope for this. Yeah, I I didn't have for any sure. hope for this at all. I thought it was going to be some weird condom. I was, I was kind estuiting. of shocked the uh,
4: that the boom go the dynamite moment in it i yeah. was like wow there's some real gems here man this they is really are. It was this short the, yeah it was
0: short but i mean like you said it's a p- preliminary assessment and yeah. i think yeah. the uh, classified one was like 76 pages something like that yeah. if i remember hearing that it's correctly. either 70 so, or 90 something like yeah. that somewhere, like, yeah, somewhere yeah
3: somewhere in that ball yeah. Yeah, again and, folks and it's nine star, pages so,
4: yeah, yeah go ahead
3: yeah again it's nine pages folks i mean nine pages it takes you literally seven minutes yeah yeah yeah, and yeah it's really three.
4: it's six pages <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah because there's right. like the introduction and the wrap- up and whatever the, mm-hmm. the, yeah the, and the appendix and well.
1: the and the cover letter and yeah. and <laughs> honestly like even the classified one only being like 90 pages like honestly i was like Kind of expecting it to be like the Warren Commission or like oh. the 9/11 report or something, you know, like just <laughs> right. massive. Yeah, right. Know? Yeah, but Four, even five the thousand pages or something. Yeah, yeah, even the classified version is less than a hundred pages. It's like right. Yeah, yeah. Right. All right. Clearly, either we don't know anything, or what we know is right. very, very small. Yeah. Or well, there's going to
4: need to be another round of this, you know. Yeah, Josh. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think what they're doing. Well, they said it's a preliminary report. and There's more reports coming. And I think what they're doing, even with a classified version, is they're spoon-feeding that uh, to the people in power in small but effective doses mm-hmm. uh, to prepare them for the real sure. stuff to come. I saw um, an interview with Lou Elizondo the other day, and um, this guy asked Lou Elizondo, he said, um, if the American public... Were made to be aware of exactly what you know that's classified, and what you know of that's classified in your experience, and and so on and so forth, and the people that you've talked to, and what they know that's classified. If that were to become public knowledge tomorrow, how would people react? And Lou sat there real quiet and real still for a moment, and he said. Uh, For a day, for about a day, the American public would be very, very somber. Fair statement. he said, and and then after that, he said there would be a variety of reactions. He said, I think some people would leave their religions. Some people would turn to religions. There would be a lot of, uh, a lot of reactions. But he said, for about a day, I think most of the American public would be very somber. So that was kind of telling and, uh. You know, that kind of goes back to the uh, uh, the theories that I've had about, you know, look, there's either extreme indifference or uh, a little bit of teasing hostility uh, coming from these intelligences. And uh, so I I think what we do at this stage of the game, we know they're real and we prepare ourselves for whatever comes and that's it.
1: Yeah. And like, oh, go ahead, John. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say to like piggyback off of that sentiment, like at best they're probably uh, people that think of us as like a science project and or a uh, a, like kid brothers, you know what I mean? Like you were talking about how uh, it's it's not exactly a peaceful act to come in here and say, oh, hey, this is the biggest, baddest weapon you've got. I can turn it on and off and you can't do anything about it. You know, on the one hand, yes, that might be a demonstration of power in the way of like, in the theory of shock and awe of like, Oh, Hey, if we let you know that we're in charge, then there's probably not going to be any monkey business and we can have a real productive conversation. But it's also probably more of a show of force of like, mm, we're in charge period. Yeah. You
4: know, and what are you going to do? You can't do anything. Right. Yeah. I mean,
1: and right. like, I, I've watched a few documentaries. Um, I think there was like a Nova episode that, uh, Michio, Michio Kaku was on, um, where he was, him and a few other like astrophysicists and astrobiologists were talking about, uh, you know, the probabilities of what extraterrestrial life is actually like mm-hmm. and how he, he like him. And I think it might've been Brian green or another uh, one of those guys that, that was basically saying if they've, if they've figured out uh space flight in a way that can get them from wherever they are to here, then they're right. way more advanced than we are period. Right there, and then B, uh, they probably even if they're all vegans now, they were probably predators at some point in their uh, in their development because you would right. need stereo vision, so you need your eyes in the front of your head like a predator, and right. also uh, the amount of of energy that it takes to grow your brain to the size needed to have being spaceflight. Requires a very massive amount of protein, so there's like basically no way uh, cows are going to learn how to fly spaceships right, and develop right. spaceships, right? So right. most likely, if they're the dominant species on their planet, uh, whatever they are now, at some point in their evolutionary history, they were definitely hunters. You know, yeah, and yeah, like none of that is. So we- a bad thing it's just kind of
4: obvious you know yeah and we also have to acknowledge that if they have the incredible intelligence and ability to do this uh, intelligence doesn't equate to empathy sympathy (laughs) morals ethics or anything else well no i mean
1: like when you look at a wildlife expedition like it's shark week right now and you watch whatever they do while they're studying sharks they're not fucking nice to them they treat them like animals they're pulling out of the water to find out what they want to find out and dropping back in and that is exactly what you get with abduction events right yeah exactly Is like they get processed like it's someone doing a a biological cataloging or experiment of some kind right like they want to know what's you know maybe they're trying to figure out if we're a reliable food source or labor source or maybe they're just like what are these like little hairless apes doing right. on this planet let's find right. out more about them you know but like to your point none of that engenders empathy none of that like at the very most you you're like oh they don't feel it when we jab them with the thing to put the tracking implant in them right like the way people talk about attaching Riding
4: cattle <laughs> we yeah. shit
1: to the yeah. dorsal fin on a shark you know right. like oh that's right. where the most meat is so you want to jam it in there so it won't come loose and they don't really feel it I mean, how the fuck do they know? Yeah, how, yeah. Exactly, <laughs> you right. know? exactly Do you have right. a dorsal fin? Yeah,
3: yeah. 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 yeah.
1: I no. feel it every time I get jabbed. I know that. Ain't that the truth. Well, it's the same thing.
3: It. It's like one of my favorite statements in the movie, Paul. I don't know if anybody's seen that. How much can we learn from butts? I mean, come on. You know that that's, that's kind of kind of where we're going with this whole thing, but anyway, a lot uh. <laughs> yeah, evidently. Um, before so what we want to do, we definitely want to get down on another topic, John, that you had mentioned. Um, but I skinwalker, the yes, skinwalker, yes, the skinwalker. I definitely want to get into that. I, I do. I don't want to waste time though, and I don't want to besmirge you an opportunity to talk about your new book though. Um, do you, would you like to just cover that briefly? A uh, knock in the attic and and promote that and and where that kind of came from? We can talk about
4: that just real quickly before we go into Skinwalker. Uh, My second book, A Knock in the Attic, came out February of this year. Uh, It's available at all the major booksellers online. You can go to Amazon, Books a Million, Barnes and Noble, uh, Target, and Walmart carries it online. And there's a uh, link on my website uh, to a lot of mom and pop bookstores because I know a lot of people don't like the big the big box stores. So there's links to uh, mom and pop stores there. So you can go to uh, a knockintheattic.net and it tells you about the book, uh, gives you a little sneak, a really short sneak preview of the introduction, the first chapter, and then has links to, uh, to buy it wherever you want to.
3: Fantastic. So that's awesome. out
4: now. Gets you- a lot of uh, good reaction from that. And it's uh, again, full of a lot of true paranormal stories. This one covers my life. Uh, from a child and growing up and what it was like to be psychic, how the gift awakened, how that opened, how I, how I was living with all these paranormal experiences. And there's a lot of incredible experiences in there. And for the first time ever, I write about, uh, the, uh, the shooting, the TV pilot for the history channel, what that oh, was like, cool. what we got to do. So that's in the book and, uh, a lot of other neat things. So people will enjoy that. They'll have a good time with that. And, uh, like I say, go to net, or you can just go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, of the title, it'll come up and you can get it there.
1: Is there a preferred outlet anywhere that like, uh, you see a little more money from or that you want people to order it from? In general, uh, or is it just wherever they can get just, it? Get just it?
4: wherever. Just just okay. get it where you're comfortable. Okay. <laughs> get, it where, sure. get it where it makes you happy. Yeah.
3: Well, well, we'll definitely put that in the show notes for sure. You know, And along right. with your previous you. book that we talked about and, and all your other work. Like I said, it, it's great that you're still writing. It's great that you still have that. Um, yeah, and I'm, so, I'm yeah. writing on
4: a third book now. I'm writing on oh, my third book, nice. and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be uh, – the title is 20 Ways to Increase Your Psychic Abilities – And each chapter will have one specific psychic or paranormal tool or technique. It explains in detail what it is. It explains how to learn it, how to practice it, how to use it, and then the real world application of it. So, uh, for example, the first chapter is on psychometry. And it tells you what psychometry is, tells you how to learn it, how to practice it, how to get good with it, how and why. And I mean, step by step leads you through it. That's and awesome. then it gives you the real world application of it so that it's not just a you go to a party and you go, hey, give me a ring and look what I can do. That does nothing. <laughs> uh, but with all these things, there's a real world application that once you learn the technique, you can extrapolate that to the real world to help you out and that's included in all the um, all the chapters
3: fantastic awesome. uh, we, we just love having you on john i'm glad that you're active still active doing it uh, thank um, you yeah no, it's it's too cool um but yes meat and potatoes you know and this so this subject really hits us at home because well i've recently moved back to washington state um but the i met john, and john i know i'm such a loser <laughs> <laughs> whatever <laughs> but uh, but we all made a trip up to Skinwalker I've been there a few times these guys have been there a few times made trips together um fascinating fascinating so we want to know your viewpoints your thoughts on it because it's um it's unique for sure yeah
4: it is uh you know obviously for decades and maybe hundreds of years uh maybe thousands of years we don't know uh Skinwalker Ranch has been a place of some very unique paranormal manifestations and also ufo activity if anybody's been watching the uh, the history channel shows they've actually yes. captured ufos on film now they've seen it's them incredible yeah it's incredible wow. and they've witnessed them with their own eyes they've captured them on film um the thing for me at, at skinwalker ranch now this is not to denigrate science but i do kind of denigrate science periodically. Uh, Because scientists get a God complex, and they think that they know everything, and it's like... It can be uh, taken down a peg every now and then, I think. Exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. And so the problem with science there in the paranormal, and I I tell everyone this, it's like, look, science has not even come close to catching up with the paranormal. No. Uh, We're we're just getting to the point, uh, we haven't made much progress with EVP after all these years. No. For all of our technology. Uh, Owen is an aside and remind me to come back to, uh, to science not catching the paranormal. But concerning EVP, I um, had talked to this guy the other day, and he's a professional uh, musician and he does EVP. He's into the paranormal and things. And so we were discussing this, and he said, John, he said, I can upload my music or anybody else's song. And he said, I can manipulate it. I can do anything in the world to it with the software. I know how to use this stuff inside and out, upside down. I can do it in my sleep. And he said, but I put an EVP in there and I cannot find the frequency that, that, that it's on. You can hear the voice, but I can't find the frequency. And I was telling him, I said, you know, think about this. Um, these voices are using some frequency in the noise that we don't know what is. You turn the recorder on and you don't hear anything with your physical ears and then when you play it back you're able to hear the voice on the recorder with your physical ears but you don't hear it at the time so what frequency are they using in the noise that they can make that happen on the recorder but you can't hear it when it does happen only during playback and so we were discussing that and he told me like i said he said i cannot find this frequency to save my life and i said you know what when somebody does discover the frequency that you're that they're using, that's going to be the breakthrough moment in the paranormal because then we're going to have real-time conversations two-way and real-time with the other side.
3: Kicking the door yeah, open you know, at that point. That'll, yeah. that'll be
4: a phenomenal thing. But but back to science, for all the UF, uh, uh, EVP research we've done, we haven't made much progress. Uh, with all the other things we've done going on with science, back to the Stanford Research Institute, hmm. uh, the lab there. Uh, We haven't, we just haven't caught up to what the paranormal is able to do. And
1: yeah, honestly, like, I think a big, a big part of that too is like the, I wouldn't, for what the scientific method is intended for, uh, this is not a flaw. It's definitely a feature and definitely an important feature. But when you try to apply the scientific method to the paranormal, what makes it hard is that uh, repeatable results are the like, keystone of the scientific method and so if you exactly. can't have repeatable results meaning which is something you're never going to get from the paranormal
4: right then you can't make an
1: appointment with a ufo yeah yeah always, like be, right. you know? if you set up a lab to study it that
4: shit ain't going to be there yeah you know more than more often than not it's not yeah and so i tell people i say look the problem with science examining the paranormal is let's say you have a camera, you've got an EMF meter, you have all this stuff like they have out at Skinwalker Ranch. You capture something. And then, okay, you've captured it, but what did you capture? Why is it there? Who or what is manifesting or producing it? What is their intent or their attempt at communication while they're doing that? Science can't answer that. The only person that can answer Mm -hmm. that is a good, honest, reliable, psychic, medium, shaman, whatever. And there's been a lot of people that are saying, "Send in the wizard, send in the wizard." <laughs> and I, I told, um, I tweeted uh, Brandon Fugel on Twitter, and I told him, I said, "Hey man, look," I said, "Your you're, science is fine, but you're not going to understand this stuff with science. You got to get some, you got to get some psychics and wizards, whatever, in there." So on one of the episodes this year, if you saw it, they brought in the Jewish rabbi who's yeah. versed in the Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, and he got in there and did his ritual. And on camera, they saw the portal open, and they saw the the measure of the temperature drop by like 20 degrees after he did this thing. So I'm like, there you go. That's what this responds to. And he was telling them, he said, you know, there are are beings here that have walked this land for a long time that are, are not human. There are other entities, other intelligences, whatever, other spirits. And he was telling them that. And I was like, there you go. That's where it is. And it's like these guys just can't get away from, well, let's get more instruments and more this and more that. And, um, let's, uh, what are you hearing there, Shane?
3: (laughs) Nothing at all. (laughs) You hear my little dog barking? (laughs) I'm hoping it's either yours or mine. I wasn't too sure. We just bought, we just bought a puppy. So I'm paranoid.
4: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah, So well, mine's going off right now. So, uh, and, and I don't fuss at him too much. You know, in Texas, we like our dogs to be noisy because i let you know if somebody's around or something's going on. So Absolutely. I, I kind of let him have free reign there. But, you know, the, the point is that you have to have an understanding of the spiritual realm as far as the sensitivity and the ability to communicate with these spirits, these entities, these beings, and to say, okay, why are you here? What are you trying to manifest? What are you trying to tell us? Uh, is it neutral? Is it a threat? Is it something positive? What is it? What can we learn from it? How can we interact? Is there something you need? Um, you know, that's, that's the way we have to approach it. And science can't do that. Science can tell you it's there, but it can't give you the story behind it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was I was thinking that as I'm watching this second season of uh Secret of Skinwalker and kind of the incredible things they've caught on film and caught on uh, you know, just just everything they're documenting. It's right. like everything they're getting it's like just leads to more questions. Mm. Exactly. And exactly. it's like, okay, yeah, you've caught this anomaly and you've caught this anomaly, which is fascinating and incredible. But now what? But then it's like <laughs> Yeah. What is that? And exactly. science can't really explain. No. What that is at because all. there's not a scientific
4: explanation. Exactly. It, at you, least it, as far as
0: like the hum, as far as we can
4: explain right. it, you know. And you can't get some goofball psychic in there some idiot in there that oh this is Zanzibar from the behind of Sirius yeah. and you can't <laughs> get that in there because that's totally useless. Uh-huh. And there's too much of that nonsense out there and um, so you know, the, the problem is, and one of the things that's hampering getting psychics and, and mediums and shamans and so on into the scientific realm and into scientific research is because there's so much of that idiocy out there. And people see the little pictures of the guy, of the alien with the belly button and the woman with the boobs and the pastel <laughs> colors, and they're like, uh-uh, ain't getting involved with that, ain't bringing that in here. And you can't blame them.
0: You know, it's not It's It's smart. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it would be detrimental to their uh, Absolutely,
4: it would. There are are enough people out there, like that rabbi, there are enough people out there that are legitimate and that can manifest what they say they can, and you can capture it on film, which they did, uh, and censors. And there are enough people like that out there that that's where you need to be integrating things and doing things and marrying that together, and it's hard to do. You know, it's it's difficult to do, and I understand that because I think there's a lot of mistrust in the psychic community toward the scientific community and vice versa. And a lot of the, um, the distrust in the scientific community stems back to, um, I was on a podcast the other day on YouTube and in the live chat, uh mick west who i don't know i've never met and never talked to him but he's a big d- d- debunker apparently uh, yeah. from what i understand and uh we were talking about psychic phenomenon things and he was like "Well, why don't you take this such and such challenge that i saw that in the chat and i didn't respond to it and it's like well for the same reason that uh, you know randy had his million dollar channel challenge the amazing randy right and um uh, Randy, by the way, made it, made it his life's mission to destroy Uri Geller. And that was an ongoing battle forever and a day.
3: Yes, it was. Um,
4: and it's it's really funny, and we can talk about Uri if we have time. I've met Uri, I know Uri, and and people, anytime that Uri comes up in a podcast or a statement or whatever, boy, the stuff starts flying fast and furious. <laughs> Uri's a fraud, he I was being a fraud, he can't do nothing, blah, blah, blah. Well, he's got a statement from the CIA, our CIA, on his website that says he was tested and he did what he said he could do and, and was validated in that so I think that that should be worth something but uh, anyways the uh, the Randy challenge I saw a, uh, a documentary one time that Randy made and it was about his million dollar challenge and the people that challenged it and what happened and blah 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 And this was on TV and years and years and years ago and uh, this one psychic came on and He said that he would use psychometry among other uh, gifts and that he would um, examine anything that Randy wanted to give him and tell him you know what he what he discerned from that so Randy had this object and I don't even remember what it was and it was a gift from someone I believe it was out of the country a foreign country and uh, Randy said I'll give him this there's no way anybody on the planet could know what this is the history the origin of it who gave it to me or anything else so the psychic gets it, and he says, this was a gift from a very good friend. Randy's like, he's right. And this came from, a, from outside the country, from a foreign country, and I think he may have even named the country or the region. Randy goes, he's right. And he rattles off like three or four more things about the thing, and Randy acknowledges that he's correct in everything he's saying. And then the psychic goes, and your friend, he said, there's something unusual about your friend, he says. And he didn't say it was this. He said, it reminds me of this. He said, your friend has something around his neck, and it's it's like a Nehru jacket. It reminds me of a Nehru jacket or like a collar of some kind coming up. And Randy goes, eh, wrong answer. And what the guy had seen was, and he didn't say it was a collar. He didn't say it was a Nehru jacket. He said, it just kind of reminded him of that. Like a a Nehru jacket comes up around your, your, the collar around your neck. Well, the guy that gave Randy that thing was fond of wearing turtleneck sweaters. He wore turtlenecks a lot. So he said there's something around the neck. I see something around the neck. So because he described it that way, Randy discounted it. And Randy said, if one thing's wrong, it's all wrong. So I was on, I was a regular on the show when I was living up in New York. I was a regular on the show and the host called me and he said, guess who I have for a guest. I said, who? And he said, Randy. I said, oh my God. And I was, I was busy and I couldn't fit it into my schedule to listen or call in or anything. And he says, what do you want me to ask him? I said, ask him about that thing with that psychic. And so he did, and uh, I said, oh, also, ask Randy this, because I said every person on the planet that I've ever asked this question of or made this statement to, if they are honest, big keyword there, if they are honest, will tell you, yes, they've had at least one experience in their life they can't explain by rational means. So I said, ask him about the psychic and make that statement to him. So he got him on the air, and, and I didn't get to hear it, so he called me back to tell me how it went. And he said, I asked him the question. I said, Randy, haven't you ever had at least one thing in your life happen that you can't explain by rational means? No. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Just exactly like
1: that. Coming from a ma- magician. Yeah. 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 yeah.
4: So uh, then he asked him about the uh, the thing with the psychic. And he said, look, this guy's hitting all this stuff right. And you're admitting the guy's hitting this stuff right. And then one little thing that you don't agree with the interpretation of, and all of a sudden it's all wrong. And Randy said, well, that's our agreement, and that's why I did it. So you know, that million dollars is <laughs> safe forever, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God. So, you know, when, when Mick West was saying, you know, hey, why don't you take this challenge dude if you're psychic? It's like, no, I have no time, effort, and energy to waste on this idiotic nonsense. Go to Stanford Research Institute. Uh, many, many years ago, they proved the validity of psychics and of, of uh, psychokinesis, PK, paranormal powers, remote viewing. Uh, I have a buddy that was at Stanford when SRI was developed. And he knew oh, wow. Targ and Putoff and Geller and all yeah. these guys. And he did some uh, some psychic and paranormal research himself and developed some things himself. Hmm. And he told me that the CIA dumped tons of money into SRI. Why? Because it worked. Yeah, because well, I mean, they was. wouldn't...
0: And that they that went on for a long time. Oh, If it that, a worked, long time. If that yeah. didn't work, if that didn't yeah. work, that would have been defunded. And in- Oh yeah.
1: Oh, they were, they would two, have pulled the plug. Like yeah. Two yeah. years. Matter you know? yeah, percent.
4: Yeah, absolutely. You- and, uh, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No.
1: Oh, uh, I was just going to say, uh, I read recently the trickster and the paranormal and there's, uh, several chapters in that book dedicated to, uh, like basically, the establishment wanting to uh debunk everything, mm-hmm. and the great Randy features heavily in that, um, yeah. and also, oh, man, I am forgetting the acronym, but we talked about them extensively on this show, like in our first couple seasons, uh, but they were a paranormal research research organization who ended up shifting more into like trying to debunk everything. And all of those guys were members of it. Like Randy, uh, oh, psychop psychop was part of it. Um, I'm also mm. thinking of not SRI cause that's Stanford research. Institute. Right. Are you thinking but, the one from England? Yeah, but the American version of it, American. Okay. The, uh, theosophical society. I was that it. No, no,
3: no. Nah. Okay.
1: Well, it's not anyway. important right now. We'll figure it out afterwards. But, uh, uh, it was the, uh, yeah anyway it was just super interesting that like all of these guys that were obsessed with debunking paranormal stuff were fucking magicians from houdini on down to the great randy like they were all like trickster figures who all had like their own weird shit that they were trying to like keep on keep under wraps and then and they also made a living at sleight of hand and fooling people. And they thought it was their great calling to debunk
4: yeah. other isn't that, stuff. Isn't that kind of ironic? Yeah. <laughs> isn't that yeah. kind of ironic?
3: SRI, I think, is what you're thinking.
4: I, I, I yes, I somebody the other day. They made the statement that, um, you know, magicians can do a lot of this stuff. And I said, because a magician can do it doesn't mean it doesn't exist in the real world. You know? True. You can take nearly anything... Uh, real and duplicate it through trickery somehow. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the arguments used against uh, Uri. And of course, anytime you mention Uri, all the accusations fly. And uh, it was really funny. I had, uh, I can't even remember what initiated this, but when I was living in New York, I began to correspond with Uri, both by snail mail and by email. And we corresponded a lot, and it wasn't a starstruck fan thing. It, we discussed, uh, discussed very specific paranormal issues and, and things about psychic matters and all these things, and got into some really detailed conversations. Now, at the time, I did not have a picture of myself on my website. I don't think there was a picture of me anywhere on the Internet. So, Uri could have known what I looked like. If he walked by me on the street, he wouldn't know it was me unless he was using his psychic power, right? <laughs> So, uh, it came about that Uri was going to give a demonstration in Manhattan and, uh, we lived upstate. My wife commuted every day. So um, anyways, uh, he was going to give a demonstration in Manhattan. So, oh my God, we got to go. We got to go. She said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to go see Uri. <laughs> so we get our tickets. The tickets were anonymous. You didn't give your name to get the tickets. Uh, so there was no way he could have could known. Oh, John Russell's coming. Now I, I think I know this guy. There was no way he could have known any of this. So, um. My wife was fairly convinced, but even she kept asking me, she said, are you you sure he's the real deal? And I said, yeah, I'm absolutely convinced he is. But I said, when we get there, if I can touch him, if I can lay my hands on him, even for a split second, I'll get all the energy and all the information I need from him to make that determination. So we go and we're sitting there waiting for the demonstration to begin, waiting for Rory to begin. And I told my wife, I said, I got to go to the restroom. So I get up to go to the restroom. And as I'm walking to the restroom, guess who comes out of the restroom door? And he smiles at me and I smile at him and I reach over and pat him on the shoulder. Hey, how you doing? (laughs) And I got that touch. And it was like, that's everything I need. The guy's 100% legit. So we went through the demonstration and uh, of course the magicians with their interpretation of spoon bending is that or he will take the spoon and violently manipulate it or whatever, this, and the other. And (laughs) so, um, he did a spoon bending demonstration. He dumped all the spoons out, whacked them all on the table. They're all solid. And then he had somebody from the audience come and pick out one, pick out whichever one you want. That's one I'll bend. They picked one out and he held it up by the very tip end of the spoon with the bowl over here. And he's holding it at the very tip end. And he begins to stroke it so lightly that even though he's holding it with these two fingers, the spoon doesn't even bend down as he's stroking it. That's how lightly he's touching it. And the spoon starts to bend. And as it does, he raises his finger above it and just strokes the air above it and it continues to bend. So he did that. And uh, what was really funny was when he finished that demonstration A bunch of people in the audience jumped up and went, "Hurry, hurry! look, look. And they had all brought silverware that they had bent and they had brought to show him, right? So we get through the demonstration and I had bought one of his books and I wanted it autographed. And he was autographing books. So we go and we stand in line to get the book autographed. And we come up to him and he he smiles and nods at me. Oh, the guy I saw in the restroom, yeah. And so he opens my book up and he stops and he looks back up at me and he just stares at me for a little bit. And he goes, we know each other. (laughs) And I laughed and I said, yeah. And he said, no, he said, we, we, he said, we haven't met in person. This is the first time we met in person, but we know each other. He said, we've emailed, not only uh, email, but also snail mail back and forth. And we've talked about very specific issues in depth repeatedly. We've emailed a lot. We've talked a lot and we've sent letters a lot. And I said, yes, we have. And so absolutely. He was a real deal. He knew him. Like I said, there was no way he could know me from Adam. So um, he is the real deal. RCIA has a a statement that he is the real deal that he uses on his website. And I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if it's anti-Semitism because he's Jewish, you know. I don't know if it's that or I don't know, but man, you you throw up the name Uri Geller and man, the rockets are going to start flying. It's just it's really crazy.
3: Yeah, and and it's sad too because he did get a, a, a quite a bad rap for that, and and that's you know yeah. before we started get into remote viewing, we started researching and found out that he was integral into that as well. And you get right. a little bit more into what you know Uri has done and and past that. because I you know the spoon bending is as as far as I've ever went with you know the knowledge from him, but. um fascinating character i mean fascinating human being and and uh, it's a shame you know it's a shame
4: he um i uh we uh, stayed in contact for a while and then i moved and lost email addresses and lost contact with him and then when i wrote my uh my books you know everybody says get a celebrity endorsement i said i don't know any celebrities and it's like oh wait i do uri and so i wrote uri and i said he's not going to remember me from adam and so i reminded him of that incident. And he remembered me and he gave me a blurb and endorsement for both my books, which is very, very nice. That's awesome. And then we started communicating again. We started talking and texting and this, that and the other. And I started bugging him. I said, "Ori, tell me what you know about UFOs and aliens, because he's always said that he knows a lot, but he's sworn to secrecy. And I bugged him, bugged him. He wouldn't tell me anything. And then, uh, like I told you guys before we started the show, uh, he made a statement on Twitter the other day where he said, uh, we have been communicating with ETs. Mm, and so that was a pretty, pretty momentous thing to come out with. For,
3: for him to, for and, him uh, to say, you know, that. him,
4: yeah. uh, Targ put up a lot of these people. They have got to have such immense knowledge of what's going on. And, uh, you know, a lot of people believe in their, their non-disclosure agreements, uh, like I told you, I had a buddy of mine. He was an Air Force major in the NSA, all this. He told me some interesting things without breaking his NDA. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of these people will take that to their graves. And what we need is somebody just to go, you know, screw it. I'm going to come out and say what yep. I know. Yep. You know, there there are so many people that have to have this deep knowledge, and you know they do. And I don't know if they're afraid of losing their financial footing, or if they're afraid of being snuffed out, or they're—I don't know what their situation is.
3: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this, not only this report, but that you know, and like we've talked about this before, John, you know, between us three and, and just you know, other guesses. Never in my lifetime would I think that a major news. Show such as sixty minutes would focus on UFOs. Like this is something that's unprecedented. You don't you don't see this. So we're yeah. hoping that as you as people are coming forward and these pilots are coming forward and now they're at poor point. They, you know they're not afraid to lose their jobs. They're not afraid right. of getting right. blacklisted. Hopefully that opens the door a bit and and we see this influx and and that's what we're hopefully what it we're hoping. does
4: and and more people will come forward and come out. Uh, I hope the uh, one thing that may have, and I, I think we discussed this the last time I was on about the uh, when I was at the Roswell UFO Museum. Did we discuss that? I think so.
3: Refresh us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah
4: the uh, one of the reasons that that people may not uh, be forthcoming still is that uh, there was a uh, a uh, an event called Alien Encounter '98 back in 1998. Uh, which was held in Roswell and I went to give psychic readings there and Stanton Friedman was there lecturing I got to see him which was really a highlight of the thing and one morning before everything started I said you know I've got to see the Roswell UFO Museum while I'm here what would be the point of coming if I don't go to that so I go downtown I'm standing on the sidewalk waiting for it to open it's not open yet and I'm trying to look through the windows and I'm standing there and uh, this lady walks down the sidewalk and there's not much foot traffic. And this lady walks down and I don't know where we say hi. And she just stops and starts talking to me. And uh, she said, uh, are you from Roswell? And I said, no, I said, I was actually born in New Mexico, but uh, I said, I've never lived in New Mexico. And this is my first time in Roswell. She goes, Oh, okay. She said, well, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a professional psychic and I'm here at alien encounter 98. And she says, Oh well, you'll you'll understand then and appreciate what I'm going to tell you. And I said, mm-hmm. okay. So I'm ready for one of the, you know, here's the aliens in the pastel with the belly buttons and all this. <laughs> right, right. The women with four breasts, and I'm like, oh my god. So I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, okay. And so she says, when my brother and I were kids, we were playing outside and we saw the UFO fly over and we could tell it was in distress, and we saw it go over and crash in the distance. And she said, and I was just like, man, my eyes were bugged out, and I- my mouth was agape. I was like, holy cow. And uh, she said, we knew it wasn't a plane. We knew it wasn't a helicopter. We knew it wasn't a balloon. We knew that it was a UFO. We saw it. We saw that it was in distress. You could tell from the way it flew, the way it maneuvered, it was in distress, and then we saw the crash over in the distance. We saw the the evidence of the crash. And I was just gobsmacked. I was like, my God, I, saw, I was telling the other side, I was like, guys, thank you for setting this up. This is one of the greatest things I've ever experienced, right? And yeah. uh, I told her, I said, my God, I said, what a fantastic story. And I said, you know, I said, why don't more people like you that were here and that saw that, why don't you come forward? You know, there's, there's this dearth of reliable witnesses. And she said, well, let me tell you about that. She said, uh, when that occurred, she said, for a long time afterward, there were people that we presumed were military, maybe police, some people we didn't know who they were and they would come and knock on your door and tell you, uh, you didn't see this. And if you talk to anyone about this, or if you go to the press, or if you make mention of this, you and your family's bones are going to be found out in the desert. And I was like, damn. And unless you think that she's some kind of a crackpot, if you go back through the Roswell, UF reports and talk to these people? There's a lot of people that make that same statement. Yeah. And so, um, so I told her, I said, wow. I said, well, you know that, that I understand. And, And she said, and if there were people that were like, you know, well, I'm not afraid of the government. I'm not afraid of the military. I'm not afraid of anybody, but your family, you know, you, you don't want any harm to come to your family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so how, that's as how they we get were you. talking about that, she turned her head left and right several times real quick up and down the street, looking up and down the street. And all these years later said, I've said too much. I've got to go. Nice to meet you. Bye. <laughs> and walked off down the street real fast. So that yeah, okay. fear was still there all these years later. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that we have to I'm not calling for insurrection or overthrow the government or let's fight the military or whatever. I'm not saying that, but I think we have to be more brave and I have to think we have to be less afraid of confrontation. And I think that we have to realize we have strength in numbers if we'll come together and, you know, demand this. But we have gotten so complacent and we have gotten so conciliatory and so accepting of whatever we're spoon fed and we have to stop that. We have to get together and really band together and say, Hey, look, you're not controlling my life. You're not calling the shots. You've got information I need to know. And I have a right to know, let's get this out there and let's get this done. Yeah. I think,
0: uh, I think 2017 was a really pivotal year with that New York times article coming out and really bringing that awareness, uh, to the mainstream to, you know, it's not such a niche, you know, topic anymore. Um, It's, it's being brought out in a very professional.
4: Well, with that, 60 minutes of the disclosure report. Now we're out of the tinfoil hat genre into mainstream now. Uh, So at least we've accomplished that, you know?
0: Mm, And I think as, as this progresses, there are going to be millions more voices being like, no, what in the hell is going on? Yeah, exactly. Tell this. we need to, you know, we demand, we demand this yeah. information. You work we for us. We demand this information, yeah. You work for us. We voted exactly. you in. Exactly, exactly. Like, this is a democracy. You yeah, we're, for we're us. not slaves.
4: You know, yeah. they don't own us. We're not slaves. You literally and, hold the public uh, and I think office we have and to, we want to know. Yeah, I think we have to make those demands. Wow. And, uh, you know, I think that um, one thing that disturbs me right now and may stand in the way of this, there are so many people that are willing to accept anything at face value that government tells them or that quote-unquote science sends their way. And one good example of that, if you want to open up a big can of worms here, is COVID. And, you know, since the inception of this thing, now come down on this, whichever side you want to, that's fine. But nobody can deny that since the inception of this thing, we've been told 80 different things from day to day. Agreed. Uh, You got to sanitize every surface in in your household and on the planet and everything else. And then later, no, it's not transmitted that way. And then later, no, you don't have to worry about sanitizing at all. You got to wash your hands every time you turn around and then, well, no, that really doesn't help too much. Initially masks didn't do a damn bit of good. Now they're great. No, now you got to wear three. Then you got the vaccination, which is not FDA approved still. And you got to have the vaccination that's not enough you got the vaccination you got to put the mask back on now that's not enough we got a booster coming you got to take the second shot now we got a third one coming and now it's not fda approved still and we got all these hideous side effects and we're starting to attach these warnings to it and yada 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 and people are running around in this blind panic have you got the vaccination do you have the shot are you wearing your mask are you washing your hands now I'm in the high risk age group, I'm 67 years old. I have so many serious health problems since my youth that it would take this show to list them all and I'm not exaggerating. So I'm as high risk in this as you can get. When this started, I never wore a mask, I didn't isolate, I didn't stay home, I went out in public, I went to my doctor's appointments, I went shopping, I went out to eat, I didn't wash my hands, um, I didn't do any of these things. And I've not been sick, not had a problem. And a lot of the people that I know, interestingly enough, you know, I'm a biker since the age of 15. Interestingly enough, a lot of us in the biker community have been like, screw this crap. I ain't doing this ignorant stuff. And they've gone to the rallies. They've gone to this. They've gone to the restaurants. They've gone to the gatherings, the weekend rides, and nobody's gotten sick. Nobody's had a problem. And nobody's masked. Nobody's washed. Nobody's isolated. So are there people out there that are getting something? Yes, people are out there getting something all the time. And uh, there's a lot of things, I think, that have been misdiagnosed as COVID that weren't. Uh, I think that uh, we have to use common sense in what we're looking at because we have destroyed our economy by shutting down for COVID, which by nearly everyone's admission is a 99% survivable virus. Okay. Um, Go to the CDC website, and there's another website, which I can't recall right off the top of my head, but it's an official tuberculosis website. Go to those websites, and you know what has consistently killed over a million Americans worldwide? I think the latest count was something like 1.4 million people dead every year, every single year, and is highly contagious. Tuberculosis, still. That's the number one big killer we've got worldwide. Every year, over a million people worldwide, 1.4 million people, including in America. And it's highly contagious. We've never masked. We've never shut down and said, oh, we got to stay inside till we find something for tuberculosis. And oh, no, no, no. We've never done that. So why for COVID? We've never shut down the economy. We've never quarantined for all of these other multiple contagious, highly contagious diseases that come along. When we had all these flus come in, we didn't quarantine. We didn't shut down for them. We didn't mask. We didn't say, oh, we've got to wash hands. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. We didn't do that. So why now? The only thing that makes any sense is some political motivation to me. I don't know, man.
1: Honestly, like, I kind of disagree with that. Like, okay. Uh, I've only ever been tested for COVID when I was in jail Um, or sorry not COVID for uh, tuberculosis I was going to say when did this happen uh, <laughs> like so uh, not to say that it's not like a very contagious and dangerous disease it definitely is but like you only get tested for that when you're in a very concentrated population against your will Um or if you're going into surgery, basically, you know yeah. what I mean? Like those, that's kind of a false equivalency.
4: Um, well, I don't know. You know I mean? Look at, look at the fact that it's out there and kills 1.4 million people a year. And we don't worry about it. We don't mask. We I don't
1: mean, is that globally?
4: Is that in the United States? That's globally, but it includes the United States. There are many death cases in the United States as well.
3: Well, I just, so, you know, it, the reality is, I, I think, yeah, th- this thing has struck us hard no matter which, you know, like you said, John, earlier, you know, whichever side you land on, you know, it, it, was, it, it never should have been politicized, but for some reason it was. Yeah. That, I think, was the catalyst for a lot of where we're at as far as being divisive.
4: Really, now, the, you know. the big thing here for me, above everything else, is that censorship has been rampant with this thing. Because there are credible, vetted, verified medical doctors worldwide by the thousands that are saying, this is bullshit. There is the former chief scientist for Pfizer, and I can send you the link to his interview that says, bullshit. Hmm. You don't need a vaccine for this. You don't need this for that. You don't need this. This is a former chief scientist for Pfizer that's saying this in an interview. I can send you the link. Yeah, there please are do. Mul-
1: hmm? Go ahead. Oh, I said, yeah, please do. I want to check that I out. I will. I will. Yeah. yeah, I'll send
4: you that. Interesting. There are multiple. I saw a consortium of 5,000 medical doctors. 5,000 that came together and said, nah, bullshit. But those voices are totally, absolutely, completely silenced. If you mention it on YouTube, the video is taken down. If you mention it in the news, it's censored and taken out. And that's that's demonstrated over and over and over again. Any opposing voice has been totally, completely censored. And I was on a podcast where I talked about this. They censored it out of the podcast and somebody caught it that listened to the podcast and said, damn it, I wish they'd left that in. I wanted to hear what you said about that, you know? So the the problem is, that however you come down on it, whether you believe it's a big deal or not, we have lost the ability to hear the opposing view. And for every viewpoint, there should be an opposing view. And we've totally completely lost that. And if you have a a consortium, and I saw this online, I can send you the link. I'll have to look it up, but I can send you the link. When 5,000 plus medical doctors say, bullshit, you, you got no, to listen that's, to that. You got to take it into yeah. account. You got to at least put it into the equation. Yeah. And when the former scientist for Pfizer comes out and says, bullshit, you got to at least put that into the equation. And nobody's doing that. Everybody's like, oh, 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 run and run, flee. You're going to die. Yeah. And that's yeah, all here. You know? I pretty much just took, I would,
0: whatever the CDC said, I wasn't going to listen to a politician on either side of the aisle. Right. If the CDC no. came out and says this is what you got to do. I'm like, all right, that's what I got to do.
3: That's what um, we did. You
4: know, yeah, but the did. CDC has gone back and forth on this thing and flip flop back and forth forever. Yeah, yeah they, they, and part they, of me yeah.
0: wonders if that's just because you know they didn't quite know what this is and it's like uh, you know playing it safe at first. And I mean, hey, don't like don't get me wrong. Last year sucked and it was mm-hmm. it was I did not enjoy myself whatsoever. Right. Um, but yeah, no, it is. It's a polarizing uh, yeah. topic, and it is important that we do, you know, listen to other
4: points of view that might not be your own. Exactly. Um, because well, especially you know, there's when we come more from than... credible sources when they come from yeah. medical doctors, when they come from yeah. scientists.
0: Yeah. That's that's who a... we
4: should be taking our opinions. We from. have to take into consideration exactly. And then you balance it out and you say, Okay, based upon what I've heard from both sides, this is what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, for exactly. sure.
3: Well, yeah. you know, aside from that, I mean, yeah, you know, it, it, it's let's just agree that um, it's been a fucked up year.
4: Going Absolutely. on almost two, <laughs>
3: and you, know I, you exactly. know, I mean, I feel like we're, we're, you know, we're trying to come out of the thick of these things. And, and I don't know about any of us on this call, but you know, if it wasn't for the weird, I, I, I don't think I would have survived. Thank God yeah. for the, you know, the odd shit to keep me entertained exactly. and exactly, you know, you know the, uh,
4: the other side has the capability to help us and to watch over us, mm. but you know, we can lose contact with that real easily, really easy. And we've okay. lost contact with the earth. We've lost contact with nature spirits. We've lost contact with the other side. We've lost respect for the other side. Mm-hmm. And we don't listen anymore. We're constantly plugged in. We're constantly on our phones. We've got the earbuds in. We've got the playlist going. We're on the TV. We're talking to somebody. We never sit down and get quiet and listen. Mm-hmm. And well, I, I agree with pays. that yeah, 100%. I,
3: I do too. And, yeah. I, and I think it's one of those things where you can agree to disagree. i got some really good friends that um, – you know, vote and support things that I wouldn't, but you know, at the end of the day, right. we'll have our say, he has his say, let's go have a beer afterwards. And, and I wish more there people would do that. And it's, it's yeah, a shame.
4: That's, that's what we need to do. And, and people yeah. need to realize, like you say, it is a polarizing issue, mm-hmm. but you can come down on one side or the other or neither or both or whatever mm-hmm. and, and still remain friends, still respect each other. But in that process, be willing to hear the opposing view, and that's what's been silenced in this whole thing is the opposing right. view. That's right. Yeah.
3: Except for my wife. We're getting a divorce because I don't believe that we need <laughs> another dog. I'm, this is bullshit. <laughs> totally joking. Anyway, John, no, it's been it's always great talking to you, no matter what the subject is. This, this has been actually fantastic because you know that the topics you wanted to talk I mean, you should have seen my eyes light up. I thought I got a new red wagon for Christmas. <laughs> Bless when your you, heart. you wanted to talk about UAP and you want to talk about Skinwalker and, and it's just so really cool. Um, we wish you all in your endeavors. Everything we'll promote your book again, that's Knock in the Attic by um, John Russell, uh, right. out in February, I think you said, correct? So it's been it out for out a bit. It was out in
4: February of this year. It's available now. Yeah,
3: fantastic, and and can't wait to look for you know your third book that you're working on. Um, always good stuff, and and hopefully keep us in mind, keep us on your uh, on your roster. We love having you on.
4: Oh, absolutely! Holler at me anytime. I'm always happy to come on with you guys. You guys are great. We always have a good time. Always talk about a lot of neat stuff, and look forward to doing it again.
0: Yeah, fantastic. thank you, John. Yeah, it was a Thank like, you yeah, guys. Thank I appreciate you. it. Yeah, thank, thank you. Right. Cheers, John. Right. Take care, man. Will do. No. Yep. Okay. Bye.
3: Anyway, yeah, Um, I love John. I, I really do. Just, you know, his experiences, how he looks at things. You know, he had some, uh, I think, the same points when we talk about the UAP disclosure, what it actually, or the UAP, sorry, what it actually says. Uh, you know, kind of the same points that we shared when we covered it in the news episode. You know, he, he's just spot on. It's really nice to hear that from another party. I mean, we can banter back and forth amongst our three to figure out what, you know, what, what it says, what, you know, read between the lines, but uh, it's nice to hear what, uh, it's nice to hear the same thing from someone else for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It seems like, uh, I don't know. It is good. Cause sometimes you feel like you're just in an echo chamber with your friends and you guys are just repeating the same stuff, but yeah. it's nice to know that somebody outside of our, you know, uh, circle it's kind of having the same opinions as us about, about that report and everything, Um, which I think that's the logical opinion to have about what was happening in that report. Yeah. You know, agreed. Was it, was it amazing? No. Was it better than we expected it to be personally? Yes. Like, you know,
2: yeah. Did you have to read it and like
0: think about what you're reading? Yeah. A little bit, but you know, it was, it exceeded my expectations.
3: Yeah, you got to put some common sense behind it for sure, you know, and figure out what you got. I mean, I thought that was really neat, and then of course, you know, the Skinwalker and the Uri Geller. Um, you know, I' fascinating. I, I would love to pick Uri's brain just for everything he, you know, again, like I said in the interview, I just I, the guy bent spoons, and then when we start getting into remote viewing and some of these other things, and found out that he was part of these programs, and he was an integral part of these programs. Um, mm-hmm. Just yeah, just amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he's always a fun guy to talk to. But either way, I you know, forgot to ask way. him
0: how. I forgot to ask him how Melissa was. So, John, if you listen to this, I hope Melissa's <laughs> treating you right. For sure.
3: Yeah, I, I was going to say yeah, the motorcycle, right? For those of you who don't, mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah, don't remember, yeah, yeah,
0: the Honda thirteen hundred C,
1: something or other. Yeah, is like, that what it was? Uh, something oh, that's like, a, like five times the circumference of the planet of the Earth. Good memory. On that motorcycle.
3: Yeah, he actually emailed back and told us exactly how
1: much he's traveled after
3: that first interview. So, yeah, all good stuff. You know, like I said, he's always a joy to have on. Um, I think the Skinwalker talk is phenomenal. Uh, He's right. And, you know, boys, I'll be honest with you. So we cut the cord on my side. I think season two's on Hulu. I think somebody told me. Is that right? Do you guys know?
0: I don't don't know, know, man. I've I've been watching it. I know – the show is on hulu but i have been just watching it on the history
1: channel app which it's Uh, a
0: terrible app oh yeah well
1: i mean get at me and we can swap some passwords and logins and whatnot Mm, you gotta watch it this
0: if anybody has not watched the second season of secrets of skinwalker on history channel do it it's amazing they as this season has progressed it's been nothing short of mind blowing. It's so amazing. I'm so grateful that has allowed them to do a TV show about this. And I mean, I know that science only kind of leads you to more questions, but it is cool to see that these things are being documented and there is data being collected. And yeah, that may lead to more questions. We may never know exactly what it is, but the fact that we do know that there is some type of phenomenon happening Mm -hmm. and that it's proven Wow. That in itself is incredible. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think I caught the first two. I think that's the only thing. And, and just, well, it was on the hotel room. I caught one. Like when I first flew in to salt Lake, I was able to catch it. So yeah, yeah. Definitely catch up.
1: The last two have been fucking wild. The last two have just been like, Oh, it's the last two have been the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Like definitely something that I, I can't, think of any other way to describe it as a craft like doing some fucking crazy aeronautical maneuvers um that they caught on camera and it's always when they start fucking with shit mm-hmm. yeah I, yeah i i was
0: wanting to mention this while we were talking about it but it's crazy that they've kind of figured out how to interact with the phenomenon
3: oh really oh yeah. neat so okay. i don't want to spoil okay. anything okay yeah 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 um, let's yeah let's not. watch the
0: show and <laughs> sure. to our listeners I'm sorry that we haven't been doing our weekly updates with with the uh, episode, yeah. but we we will do a season recap and uh, life's just been weird. Yeah, rough, for sure.
3: So. And I think I'll catch up where I can catch up. I think a season recap at least is in order. We can a get the strange nephews. Sure yep. order. we can get the strange nephews involved. This, and um, <laughs> the, yeah, this yeah. is the best paranormal
0: show ever created, in yeah. my opinion. This is hands down the most important, best paranormal show. Yeah. Man. In existence, Man. that's ever existed.
1: I'm yeah, pumped. I've thought about just showing up at the at the gate there and just being like, "You're, I'm, I work here now." Yeah. yeah.
3: Can you <laughs> just, sign my
0: my I mean, blue?
1: Sign up. <laughs> go to the gate. Be like, Tom, Tom, <laughs> hey, it's
3: me, it's me. Hey, remember us? You know, I'm that
0: weird <laughs> fucker you talked to a couple
1: times on the podcast. Hey, if I get too uh, sweaty, I might die. But like, uh, I want to hang out here and do some stuff.
3: I'd rather die here than die anywhere. I suppose if that's the, well, I mean, that's it's the case.
1: Gotta happen. So, right? well, yeah.
3: eventually. So, yeah, no, definitely, hands down. Even you know, I, I haven't even caught up with it, and I, 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 confirm with you, John. Yeah, it's amazing what they do and how they do. Oh, it's just so cool. It was cool that he wanted to talk about that because you know he's interested and. Uh, It's just, yeah, it's just neat. It's just really cool. So, you know, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Um, And and like I said, there's certain guests that we'd love to have back on. He's definitely one of them. Uh, Again, we have some repeat guests that are going to come on in the future here, which uh, we got things lined up. And then some of our own original that we have lined up. So, I don't know, season five is looking pretty good. Um, Awesome. That's all I got to say about that. Does anybody have anything else as far as socials or anything and then I can go into just how to get a hold of us if you need to. Uh,
1: we're on them-ish. We, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's awful. Uh, we're at uh, Strange Uncles Podcast on Instagram and uh, Facebook. We're at Strange Uncles on Twitter. We have a YouTube channel. There might be something coming someday.
3: A couple new subscriptions, by the way, which, yeah, not... Drop in the sand, but it's cool. They're there for sure. Uh, and then if you have anything, like if you have a topic you want us to cover or you have comments or suggestions about, you know, maybe we're not asking the right questions of the right guests, uh, by all means, you know, you can write us at gmailcom You can call us at 801-252-69-booyah-45. Let us know. And hopefully you got a creepy tale to tell. Uh, if it goes longer than three minutes, call back. We'll splice that together. Um you know, we're trying to get a little little catalog of some call in, so we we actually can make a show about it um, and go from there. Because we always love hearing other people's encounters. Because there's, you know, especially nowadays, you know. And take for example UAP. You know, people are coming out. They're starting to talk about it. it's not a it's not a forbidden taboo thing anymore. So you know, if you have something that you know, maybe something happened to your family or something you experienced, uh, or just curious about something weird, I you know, by all means, we'll. We'll research it, you know, and we'll we'll throw it out there to the ether for sure. So um, do you guys got anything else on your side? No.
0: No no. Uh, I'm ready to go pet my puppy.
3: Oh, I know. Mine's one around outside his little floppy ears. He's so cute, that <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> anyway Adorable. yeah it's not it's just funny watching the older dogs not have nothing to do with them it, it'll get better but right now yeah, it's look, just like
1: <laughs> hey you're you're stealing all the attention you motherfucker
3: oh my yeah. god so one quick story for we let our pot if if we can tell another puppy tale
1: so well, I mean, you know if you're if you're not into puppies <laughs> a fuck you yeah and be oh, yeah. uh just go ahead and turn on turn it off now Yep. Also, it's our podcast, so
0: we'll do whatever the hell we'll we, want. Yeah. Whatever we, we want. talk about whatever we want to talk about. Talk about, about. Dogs. Talk about our, dogs. Our nope. parents aren't here. We can do whatever yeah. we want.
3: Naked mud wrestling. We'll talk about that if we need to. But we yep. were well, – um, That's
1: up next. For, you know, <laughs> Next episode. The strange uncle's after dark. <laughs>
3: so you guys know Ellie. So Ellie is a little black and tan dachshund that I have, and and she is, she's got a heart of gold, but she gets butt hurt so easy. So I'm in the bedroom. And, but you know, we're trying to pay attention to the dogs and not as much the puppy, but the puppy's trying to like get on my lap. So I pick up, I pick up Spock and I'm, I'm, I'm petting him. I'm like, Oh, what's going on? And I look up and over the hallway and down the living room, here's Ellie. And she's got her head like around the doorway and she's watching. And the minute I look, I'm going to go, Ellie, she disappeared, hid in her cage when it come out, when it come to me, when not have nothing to do with me. Like just butt hurt to to be all butt hurt, just it's amazing how they react, too funny, but anyway, family's family it's one of those things yep.
1: you know what, Ellie, he's cute, just give him a hug,
3: yeah, just let him go, let it go. So anyway, that's, uh, that's our show. Hope you guys enjoyed it and uh, stand by for next week. And then also we have got to schedule Strangers Around the Table. We did have a couple comments back for some times and slots, and we can talk about that off air. But, uh, you know, stand by for that, Patreons. And if we have nothing else, John Russell, thank you for coming on. Close the gates.